thankful for our hiding place this morning. It's a uh, the Bible declares him to be our rock. Um, that's exactly what he is. The psalmist said he's a shield and a buckler and a high tower, and, and he's all of these things. But he's the place that we can run to. Um, and his church were to be a place that we could run to today to to uh, hide from the things of this world. And if we could just get a hold of him this morning and put the worldly things off of our mind for a little while and see what the Holy Ghost can do and see what see what the Son of God and His Spirit sent forth from the Father uh, can do for His people. Is there anything on your heart before we go further in the service? I ask you to turn with me to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. The 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And I'm going to start with the 16th verse. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel uh, possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them into the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in, in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And I'm going to stop there. As you know, we have uh, set aside, we talked about a lot of this Wednesday night, and I'm sorry I'm going to repeat a lot of it today to you that were here Wednesday, but, but we, as you know that we are entering in um, to Thanksgiving, and, 
And uh, you can trace Thanksgiving back to uh, to different uh, to different times if you want. Um, you can actually trace uh, maybe the spirit of Thanksgiving even back to ancient Israel. Uh, they had in those days what was known as the Feast of Tabernacles, and and it was a feast that uh, it was also called the Feast of Ingathering and. And it was a time, it was a feast that was set apart for when they had gathered in that harvest. And, and then they were to make themselves booths and, and, uh, and, and live in those booths for a period of seven days. Uh, and it was to, it was to remind them of, of the temporary dwellings that they had in the wilderness. And it was to remind them of the providence and the hand of God that was on them all the way through their wilderness journeys up until the time uh, that they entered into the promised land. And Joshua said unto them, uh, You know in your hearts not one thing has failed of all that God said He would do to you. And so they would rejoice and have a, have a week of thanksgiving, if it, as it were. And, and it was actually during uh, the, that, that week on that last day, the Bible says, in John chapter 7 or 8, somewhere along in there, it was the last day of that feast and Jesus Christ stood up and He began to call out to those, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That was a week of thanksgiving that that ended with. If you read the beginning of this 16th chapter of Acts, you'll find that Paul had it in his mind to go down into Asia and into Asia Minor and carry the Gospel. But the Bible said the Holy Ghost forbid him to do that. So he and I think Timothy might have joined up with him at this time when Paul had a vision of a man saying, Paul, come over into Macedonia and help us. And so the Spirit had closed the door for Paul to go into Asia with the Gospel. But when he closed that door, God always, always will open a door to those who have a message to preach, to those who want to serve God. He might close one door, but it won't be long till He'll open up another door. So Paul, having this great door open, instead of going to Asia, he went and took the Gospel into Europe. And my friend, the Gospels then have begun to spread through Europe. And we pick up in this. It finally, by the way, made its way to our land because of that. So because of that vision in the night, and Paul didn't go to Asia, he went to Rome, and he went to Macedonia, and he, he, he founded churches, and he began to establish the churches. But we come down to what we celebrate today. I wish that we had and I'm talking about myself, the spirit of thanksgiving. I just read there that Paul and Silas, even in the thick of the dungeon, keep in mind what they had just been through. They had just been, their clothes had been ripped off of them. They had been beaten. These weren't Jews that were beating them. It was Romans. In other words, they didn't have to observe the Jewish law. They could have beat Paul and Silas as much as they wanted to because they wouldn't have been in violation of the Jewish law. They were Hebrews. And they, the Bible said they, they, they gave them into the charge of this prison card. And the Bible says, having received that charge, He thrust them. In other words, I don't think He gently led them into the prison house, but He thrust them in. 
and made their feet fast in the stocks. And so there they were. Now we don't know how grimy that dungeon was. We don't know. We don't know how, but I'm sure it had to be. And as they were there, with their backs being laid open and their clothes being torn off and them being beat to an inch of their life, you find Paul and Silas, the Bible said, at midnight they began to sing praises unto God. I think to myself, what a what a remarkable, remarkable thing that is. I know that we can point to the bad things. I know that it's easy. If you look at the situation maybe you're in right now, and maybe there's been times I thought about as it was been requested to pray for the Whitaker and Coley family. Even in the midst of that, what a horrific thing from a human standpoint that must be a little coffin no bigger than that. But I'm still thankful today that there's going to come a day and they enter into the streets of glory and in that glory world and that little girl will be there. You see, we can be thankful. Even in the midst of hard times, we still have a reason to have a spirit of thanksgiving. You see, being thankful, the Bible declares that in the last days, men shall be unthankful. I believe we're there. I believe we're living in the most thankless generation that I've ever seen in my life. We ought to be thankful today. I think back to where I was a year ago at this time, laying in a hospital in Bowling Green, appendix ruptured, and nearly died, and my vitals got bad. Matter of fact, if I hadn't had a good nurse, I wouldn't be here today. As she laid in there with me, as my blood pressure went down to about 70 over 40, and my my fever peaked up, I peaked 104, 105, and she said, something has got to be done. we got to get you into surgery right now. I think back to then, and the times in my life I've been that close to leaving this world. And here I am today, preaching unto you the Word of God. And I can't help but be thankful. Just to be thankful. Just to be alive. To have a place that God has called me and that you've chosen to be a pastor. I'm thankful for that. I don't take that lightly. I'm thankful. I'm thankful today for the love that you show. I'm thankful today for a church that loves the Lord. But I think about, we were talking, Brother Randy Ragland mentioned in Sunday school about the pilgrims. You see, they set sail. The Bible said, let me back up. In the 1500s, there was a Protestant Reformation. You have to realize at that time, the Pope had power and papal stakes. And he had civil authority. And he had religious authority over all of Europe and most of that known world over there. And so they would, even kings would come in under the hand of the Pope. And he had authority even over that. And because of Constantine marrying the church and the state together, he gave the Pope all this authority. So what happened was, uh, King Henry VIII had married Anne Boleyn. And uh, he wanted a male heir to his throne, they say. And so uh, she couldn't provide him with a male. And he wanted that marriage annulled. And the Pope refused. You'll know that. So King Henry VIII pulled England out of the Roman Catholic Church and he established the Church of England. And he established the Church of England and to this day King Charles 
It's not only the King of England. He's the head of the Church of England. That's part of his title. Uh, but during the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, now don't get confused, our people uh, didn't come out of that Reformation. There were always a, a remnant that preached and believed what we do. But among those that did come out, I was a group of Puritans who wanted to purify the Church of England. And they, and they realized that, uh, that the Church of England still had too much, uh, uh, too much uh, Roman Catholicism uh, inside of that uh, with their sacraments and so forth. Uh, and so they wanted to purify uh, from within. And then there was another group called the Pilgrims. Uh, and they realized there was no purifying that. And they wanted nothing to do with the Church of England or with the Roman Catholic Church. They said you're taking these sacraments too far. They said you need to get back to preaching the Word of God and keep it centered. And so they, they, they looked and they, because they were separatists, they were persecuted. The, the king trusted him. They were breaking laws. According to that church state set up, they were breaking laws. You see, it's not good for a church state to be married one to another. It's not good at all. In other words, I don't want the government. I don't even want them to set it up as a Baptist nation. I don't want that at all. That's no good. It always leads to corruption. You see, and they wanted out of that. So they found a place in Leyden, Holland. And they went there. And for a dozen or so years, they were doing good. But the conditions were hard. And the living conditions were hard. And most of all, and this is what struck me, they said our children, they had freedom. The Dutch gave them freedom. We don't care what you practice, what you believe. They had freedom. But they said our children are growing up in a culture that's far more liberal than what we like. And so they, they realized and they noticed a difference in their children. And they said something has to be done. What can we do? And the thought came to me. And it was asked Wednesday night. And the thought came to me. What would you do for your children? They wanted their children to grow up in a culture that served the Lord. And so they, they took their children and they, they set off for the new world. And I thought, my, what a thing that must have been. We have parents in, in Lafayette, Tennessee that won't even bring their children to the house of God. Amen. And these people, because they love their children and they were concerned about their little soul going astray, they loaded up and they crossed the great ocean. I'm telling you the faith that they had to have. And they set out on two ships, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. The Speedwell had begun to take on water so they had to turn back. And both ships went to England and there they parted. And a few weeks later, they, they separated. Their pastor, John Robinson, stayed behind with the rest of the flock. But on that ship, there were 102 passengers plus about 30 crew, I guess, that, that got on the Mayflower and they set out for the new world. And if they had smooth sailing and, and good weather until about halfway across, uh, the history tells us that the ship went through terrific storms. I don't know about you. I, don't, I said this Wednesday and I'm still not sure what the answer is. I don't know how much foreknowledge 
Satan has. I don't know that he has any foreknowledge, but but maybe he saw a group, a group of people wanting to serve God and raise their children godly in a godly way, and he tried to make that crossing as hard as he possibly could. I was trying to get them in my mind to turn around and go back. And as a matter of fact, about half from what I've read wanted to do just sad. This ship can't take us to the new land. We've got to turn back. The main mast is cracked. But a man named William Bradford, he was on that ship. And he began to say, God, will lead us across. I'm telling you, we need men of faith today. I realize the world's in turmoil. I know all about that. I realize it's an ungodly culture. The question was asked Wednesday. They took their kids to the new world. Where's the place that we can take ours? I'd say to the house of God where the gospel is being preached. That's where you take them. If you don't want them taken up with this liberal theology then you better get them under the sound of uh, the voice of sound preaching. Amen. And you better do it as early as you can. Because it don't take long for your children to get caught up. I don't even know what it's been a long time since I've been in the public school system. I don't know what you're allowed to teach now. I'm thankful when I was growing up they taught us about, about the pilgrims. I'm thankful that, uh, that I know that story. How that they landed. But they landed far off course. <coughs> they were supposed to land in northern Virginia. And they ended up in Massachusetts around the Cape Cod area. And according to history, that first winter, they landed in November in treacherous weather. And according to history, about half of those died. One young boy named William Button had died on the Mayflower. And then in that first horrible winter, in those horrible conditions, about half their number died. And you think, you think Satan wasn't trying to discourage them. But still they knew, and they knew, and they knew in their heart that God had led them that far. And don't you understand, church, that God will never leave or forsake you. He'll take us. I don't care what the world has in store. I don't care what the Supreme Court might someday say. God will always have a hand on His remnant. All the time. And that don't mean we won't be persecuted. They were severely. And so they found themselves, they found themselves in a new world. Hungry. About halfway across when those storms hit, had darkness and cold begin to seep into their bones. Another half had died, and another bunch was sick, and there they were amidst fresh graves, and they would put grass up over the grave so the Indians wouldn't see their weakened state. And there they were, but still believing in all their heart, God had led them to that land. They had no idea. They had no idea that 3,000 miles of virgin forest stretched forth before them from coast to coast. They had no idea the amount of resources. They had no idea that God would take that little band of pilgrims and use them as a, as a forerunner to the greatest nation the world has ever known. They had no idea about any of that. 
They had no idea that about a hundred years time from then, a great awakening would sweep over this continent like it did nowhere else in the world. And so a great awakening. And I believe you can trace it all the way back. You see, before they left the Mayflower, they said, we're off course. We got permission to build a colony in Virginia. But we're not in Virginia. We've got to have some kind of written thing. And so they, they, they said, well, something's got to be done. And so in the bowels of that little ship, they wrote the Mayflower Compact. A civil body politic. I don't think the world had ever seen anything like it. Self-governance. You bear that in mind. Self-governance is what they had in mind. And so there they were. God used a former slave Indian by the name of Squanto to teach the pilgrims the way of the land. He taught them how to hunt, where to fish, how to fish, how to plant corn. And so a year later, the Bible says, or history says, the harvest was so great. And there they were. Half their people had died, but they made it. And they were thankful. I think about the spirit of thanksgiving that they had amidst fresh dug graves. People had buried their little boys and their little girls. And they had buried them in that harsh climate. And God had brought them across. But half were dead and still they were thankful. Thankfulness shows God a lot about our character. It shows God a lot about who we are. It shows me who these pilgrim forefathers were. They were thankful. The Puritans came later. And the Puritans persecuted them more. And they drove them out. And the Puritans still wanted that church state set up. And a man by the name of Roger Williams, he had an idea. They, they, they drove him out. And he, he started Providence, Rhode Island. There he said, freedom of religion. You see, the Puritan fathers, uh, they, uh, they, they wanted a limited atonement, I guess. Uh, and so they began, to, uh, they began to preach their way and their gospel and their doctrine. And they shunned and put out anybody who disagreed with it. And Roger Williams, for all he done later in his life, that was wrong. He did one thing that we should be thankful for. He said, you have freedom to worship God here in Providence, Rhode Island. Folks, that's a big thing. It's a big thing today to have freedom. You see, and I said this Wednesday night, I don't agree with them, but I believe that Jehovah's Witness in America has every right to practice what they believe. I believe a Jew has every right, a Muslim has every right, a Catholic has every right. But they need to leave us alone and let us preach the Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So there they were. Life's been hard. We've been through three years that none of us alive have ever seen anything like it. When the death angel began to come through our land in 2020, and thousands, tens upon thousands, then hundreds of thousands were now in their grave. Really, do you know what should have sprung of that? A spirit of thanksgiving. 
You see, we were talking in Sunday school. I wasn't alive during the Great Depression. Most of you weren't. Some of you may have been a child. But you see, great revivals begin to spring out of that Great Depression. Because people didn't have anything but what little they had, they were thankful. I'm afraid of all the graces that we've given up, if you call it like that, and this say the spirit of thanksgiving has to be one of the one of the primary you see. And you don't have to agree with what I'm about to say. But I believe in order for a revival to spread, I believe first there has to be some praise and some thanksgiving. I believe that we need to get back to what the pilgrims said. Just make it simple. It's a simple doctrine. And it's a simple gospel that you must be born again. You see, the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church, they... They preached a different doctrine. If the Roman Catholic Church excommunicated you, in their view, there was nothing could be done for your soul. That was it. You were held bound Because the authority was of them. That's not how God set up His church. He said, I, the Puritans, wanted to build the kingdom of God on earth. That's not how... He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Amen. So you see, He said, I will build my church. And so we're not building anything. We're preaching the Gospel. We're living the Gospel. We ought to live a holy, separated life. And so we've been through three years of pain. <clears throat> we've been through three years of death. We've been through three years of... I don't know that I've... Well, I know I've never seen anything like it. Isolation. People dying in the hospitals with their loved ones on FaceTime. Couldn't even be there. We've been through pain. We've been through heartache. But you know what? We made it. Like the pilgrims, they lost half. They imagine if 50% of this body was gone. Gone in one season. But they made it. And they were thankful. I'm thankful today to live. I was taught growing up, it's proud, take pride in, in being an American. We're living in a culture that wants us to apologize for that today. I'm still proud of my heritage. I'm still proud to live in the land of the free. I'm still proud of those forefathers who came before us. Without the pilgrims, I don't know that we would have the America that we have today. A civil body politics, self-governance, a morality to teach our children. Look at what they did for their children. They rooted them up and took them across the world all by faith. Abraham, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it said he was called out to go to a place that he didn't know where. But it said they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. 
The pilgrims, I don't know that they referred to themselves as pilgrims, but I believe they had to know they were pilgrims. You know what we are today? We're pilgrims. This is not our home. We're in a strange land. And my friends, it gets stranger every day. When you're living in a society that praises, praises, and as a matter of fact, they even have therapists. Listen to this. Your child's in trouble. You don't know what to do. Their grades are slipping. What can you do? They don't have any friends. What can you do? You take them to a trusted doctor who refers them to a trusted therapist who convinces them as a child to change their gender. That's the culture your children are growing up in. How sad. That's why it's important. You don't have to take them across the globe. You just have to take them down the street. To the house of God. Let them hear the gospel. Let them get saved. And then they'll be like that jailer. Paul and Silas. Thrust into that prison. Yet at midnight, they sang praises. Thankful. The other prisoners heard it. God heard it. You see, when God's people become thankful and sing praises, under that crucified one, do you know what He does? He sent forth His power in an earthquake and it jarred the prison and their bands fell open. Do you know how to get the power of God back in the church? Be thankful. Be thankful for the cross. Be thankful for salvation. Be thankful for all that He's given you. You've been blessed. There's a lot of people today that have never known what you experience in freedom. I know that you have troubles. I've got news for you. When eggs are $7 a dozen like they are now, the time may very well come that we're hungry. The time may very well be at our door with inflation. That you could have money, but there's no goods to buy with that money. In other words, we could have hard times. We're going to make it. Be thankful. So, when the Spirit of God came down the power, that Philippian jailer was going to kill himself. Paul said, don't hurt yourself. We're still here. All of them captivated. Listening to Paul and Silas. Praise God. That jailer trembling came in. It convicted him that these men who were beaten and condemned and stripped naked, what would they have to be thankful about? And he came trembling in. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? If you have nothing, if you go home to an empty cupboard, cupboard and an empty table, if you have salvation, you ought to be thankful. Amen. You ought to be thankful. The pilgrims landed in a society with no government help, no nanny state, no welfare, no food stamps, and no nothing. Uh, but, they, but they made it. By the grace and the help of God, they made it. He's going to make a way for us. Amen. Times are going to be hard. We're going to make it. Be thankful. That's our message today. May God bless you.